welcome, not kill you. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, ladies and gents. Welcome to Opening Night Podcast. We're back, bitches. My name is Trevor, and I'm here with two fuckers. One is named Vlad. Say hi. Yeah, the other one's named Z. Wow. Yeah, so it's been a long time. We've been gone for like nine months, but we're back. So, yeah. Yeah. In your face. <laughs> this is the reboot. That was the, that, this is the gritty reboot. We're going to be the next um, boyhood. We're going to come back every year and do a little bit of podcast and really just, just, all just see it grow as, as, as it matures. Yeah. We're just gonna slowly bury this MP3 in the yeah, ground. Yeah, it's gonna be great. <laughs> can't. Uh, the big difference here between this and the old podcast, we're gonna be doing things a little different uh, now, is that we are not going to be doing a section where we talk about current movies that we're watching. Um, we are going to pick one movie, and that will be the main discussion topic. We will. Stick that at the end. It will be spoiler-free until we say spoilers, and the last little bit will have spoilers. Um, otherwise, from that, we have a few new segments, and the rest of it is mostly the same. So. And uh, everybody, I guess at the beginning, we should also mention the movie that we're, we watched. And uh, this one's lawless. It's good, so you should probably stick around. Yes. Also, you should watch it first and then come back. Yeah, but you can listen. You can totally listen through until you know we say spoilers. It's uh, yeah. Lawless from 2012, directed by John Hillcote, starring Tom Hardy, Shia LaBeouf, and, and Dane Jason Clark as yeah, yeah Dane the DeHaan. Full DeHaan. Yeah, the full DeHaan. Come on. Okay, we have to start this out. <clears throat> news. The hit news of the week because we really want to date this podcast. It seemed like the most important news to me is the fact that The Rock is probably Shazam. It's a good thing. Oh, it's a great thing. It's a, it's a fantastic thing. I don't thing. want it to be a thing. I I don't know much about Shazam. I know that he's like Superman. What else should I know? Shazam is like Superman. Okay, so Shazam is a little boy. Uh, Billy Baxton, I think is his name. And he discovers... I forget how, but somehow he discovers the power to turn to Shazam, who is basically... Uh, like a superhero, like a god from old Egyptian folk tales, um, and as a soup, when he turns into Shazam, like he's like a full, full adult and everything, but he still has like a childlike nature about himself, and wow. it's, and it's perfect for The Rock because he is that. He's a this big, huge dude, and he acts like a fucking kid, and it's amazing, and he's great, and it's a perfect fit. Wow, that's really interesting. So presumably they're going to cast some kid, I don't know, like maybe 13 or something, like a teenager probably, someone who's small, and then they turn into Shazam, which will be this. I want, I want them to go the Adam Sandler yeah. route and just have like, like like a kid's body and just have rock head. That'd be great. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Everyone loves rock head. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe how much he gave away. Like, it was just in a random interview with some guy who asked him, like, oh, are you going to be a superhero? And he was like, well, I can't tell you much, but I can say it's for DC, and it's basically Superman, yeah. wink, wink. And he said uh, um, he said uh, something about, like, just know the name or something. And the way that Billy Baxton turns into Shazam is that he yells yeah. Shazam. So, 
Yeah, like it's a totally dead giveaway. And he said they're saying it really soon, so it'll probably be announced at SDCC. I got two things I want to say here. One, um, I think that actually Mark Wahlberg would be a better fit here because, like, he does that sort of like, like puppy ass, like, like that, that acting of like sort of like a, like a big puppy. You know what I mean? Like really, like like really like energetic and like wholesome, not wholesome, but like you know innocent in a, in a weird way. I feel like the Hulk does that too. I mean, the Hulk, Jesus. The yeah, Rock. The Hulk would be a great too, I, I think that, that the, Wahlberg is like the best at doing that in Hollywood. But. I don't know. I, um, I think I would definitely prefer The Rock, just because Mark Wahlberg first is getting a little old for that. Like, you know, if they're going to start a franchise. But the other thing is. Mark, Mark Wahlberg's done a lot of, you know, tentpole, tentpole movies like that. He's done, you know, obviously, like, Planet of the Apes, now Transformers. Just, we've seen him in plenty of action roles where we've seen The Rock in a lot of action roles, you know, Fast and Furious and stuff. But we haven't really seen him as the lead of his own movie, and especially something that is high quality. It's not just, like, that fucking faster movie or whatever that movie's called. Like, this, this would have a real budget and, like, probably yeah. legit people behind it, so... That definitely piques my interest. I want him because The Rock is like great. I want yeah. him to have some good stuff. Uh, so it sounds yeah. interesting. He also has the uh, the look and the body build, and Mark Wahlberg doesn't have that because again, Shazam is supposed to be. Oh, yeah, sure. okay, I, I forgot that bit. I forgot that bit there. Okay. Uh, yeah. My other my other point was that um, when when people were tweeting about this, I, my thought was he's gonna be that genie from that awful fucking. <laughs> Shaq, uh, Shaq movie. Oh, you're just saying that because no, like, the no, that the was, there was a movie in the '90s called Shazam where Shaq played a fucking genie. Yeah, I know. You, uh, yeah, you. Uh, what does that have to do with anything? Forget whatever. about it. Shut up. <laughs> so, anyways, the only other piece of news uh, which caught my eye, maybe both of you have something, but um. I don't have much of an opinion, but Fargo is getting a second That's season. That's not news, really. I really think what? Oh, yeah. yeah that was it is have. news because it's new characters and a new setting, yeah, 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 and it's we, just a new season. So well, yeah, yeah. True we already knew that. They said that before like, the show even like started, was like saying, yeah, this is going to be an anthology series. Sure, but, I mean, who would have guessed that Fargo would get the highest, like, one of the highest reviews of the year, uh, great viewership, like, I don't think that was a confirmed thing. Oh, now sure, it's definitely but... happening, so. So is yes. this what we want? You want more far? I mean, as as long as it's as long as it's as good as the last yeah. season, then yeah. There, yeah, I have Fargo zero was great. problems with it. Really was. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. <clears throat> cool. And I don't like TV, just throwing it out there. And I, I honestly was iffy on whether or not I was going to finish it, because I'm really bad about finishing right. television series. But, uh, yeah, no, I kept up with that shit. It was great. Yeah, I haven't caught it yet, but it looks interesting. I'll probably check it out. Um, did either of you have any I mean, there's the news? Star Wars bullshit, which someone asked a question about. There's nothing really to talk about. I mean... Is there not? It's just, oh, here's what the, uh, whatever that... No, there's more than that. It looks that... like... No, the, the, the synopsis for it leaked. Oh, uh, not okay, I guess. What's, what's, the, what's the word? But, yeah. Okay, so Falsy. do you want to talk about it? 
I mean, yeah, like, I got into the broad strokes. I mean, fill me in if I, if I fuck up, Z, because you were talking about it a lot earlier. So, like, basically, um, that, the idea is, is that, like, um, the basic idea of the movie is that it's going to be, like, Han Solo with a group of, like, new dudes trying to find Luke Skywalker, right? Yeah, okay. that's the bulk of it. And then, uh, like, the bad guys or whatever are building <laughs> some kind of weapon to destroy the galaxy. It, it's, it has a lot of parallels to A New Hope. Uh, it's, oh, we found a lightsaber, let's go find the old guy that it belongs to, and then he will train us so that we can make this sure. weapon not be a thing. Um, so, it's, oh, go ahead. So I have two questions then. So first of all, when you say Han Solo, so we're talking about an old Harrison Ford right guiding around. like 75 yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Okay, and then my other question is, is that the story of just episode seven, That's or is that the seven. arc for the okay. three movies? According That's to what I've seven. read, episode seven is going to focus on the old cast. So, you know, Han, Luke, and Leia. And then eight and nine is going to be a completely set of new characters. They're supposed to be like their kids, but I don't know if that's still happening. Yeah, because J.J. No, Abrams had to have his way. Well, what's interesting to me about it, because that synopsis is honestly not very impressive. Um, like, it sounds okay. It doesn't sound great. But I do like the idea, because before the synopsis was leaked, there was another thing that was leaked, and is really obviously genuine, that the arc of the story is that um, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega, who are both the two leads of the movie, Daisy Ridley is like a Jedi in training, John Boyega is like a stormtrooper, and at some point, uh, John Boyega makes a turn, and he decides to go with the good guys or whatever and trains alongside Daisy Ridley. And I think that arc is really interesting and, like, him becoming, like, a good guy and, like, her and all this. Because there's never been a film that, like, that had two two different lead characters who were kind of on the same trajectory. Sure. Like, the, prequel, the yeah. prequels had two characters, but it was, like, it was, um, there was, it was just Anakin, basically. Yeah. Um... So that's what's interesting to me. That synopsis, though, yeah, like it's not terribly impressive. I mean, it's, it's just a setup. It's not like, like you know, there's probably more going on there. Yeah, I mean, I would hope so. Huh. Okay. That's. I guess. I don't know. I mean, that's not coming out for a while, so I don't think no. there's really a whole lot to say yet. Yeah. But I'm sure they'll announce some stuff during Comic Con. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, and then I guess next where we will be going is we are going to talk about some of the recent uh, releases in theaters. And uh, Z, would you like to talk about Edge Actually, of Tomorrow? Oh, I like that oh. movie. Okay. Yeah, I saw this. Oh, yeah. Did like, you see like, it? Like, uh, when it came out, so. Then okay. feel free to talk about it. Edge of Tomorrow is fucking tomorrow? great. Up until like a very weak ending. But it's awesome. So, like, in case you don't know, the idea is, is that um, so like these aliens come to Earth and they're fucking shit up, and so the army, actually all the nations of the world, come together to fight fight back this force, and they come up with this like way to like in, like make total grunts into like big badass dudes with these like exoskeletons and stuff, and Tom Cruise is this like a uh, mouthpiece for the army, trying to get people to join the army and whatever, and getting the, the movie he gets drafted. Uh, to prove the fact that anyone can be a soldier with this exoskeleton. And, like, he's a total fucking, like, like skis ball and tries to, like, run away. Uh, but eventually he gets end up throwing into battle, 
and this isn't spoilers because it's the, the central plot of the movie. He he gets like like killed, but he gets like infected with this like weird like alien like poison or whatever, which makes it so that he keeps living the same day over and over over again, Groundhog Day style. And it makes this really like awesome action movie. And he's paired up with like uh, Emily Blunt, I think her name is. Yeah. And yeah. the idea is, is, is he's supposed to, like, try and find a way to break the cycle or whatever. Uh, what made it really work for me, though, is that um, it kind of, like, at least for the first half of it, works like a black comedy because you're watching, you know, Tom Cruise, who, who at the moment right now is not a universally liked star, get killed over and over and over and over and over. It's awesome. Yeah. Jesus. V, what did you think? Um, I fucking loved it. I thought, um, I thought it was a very competent sci-fi film, which unfortunately no, we don't get very many of in the in Hollywood at the moment. Um, I, I echoing what Valti said, the humor was something I wasn't expecting, but was really well done. Um, it was, it was like weird dark humor. Like I wasn't sure if I was supposed to laugh. But everybody else was laughing, so I just kind of laughed with them. But it was really good, and and I, in retrospect, and talking to other people, it was clearly there, intentionally, and also because apparently Tom Cruise asked for it, the original script to be tweaked to be a bit more lighthearted. Um, yeah. So that's where the humor comes from. My qualms with the film, also echoing what Balti said, the final act falls fucking apart, and it's hard to say why. Without spoiling yeah, it, so I won't. Uh, it, 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 um, it is really hard to get into it, but the, the, I, I'm trying to not spoil things here. But like, it's just that something changes in the plot that makes the movie fundamentally less interesting to watch. It's 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 still like like well made, but it's just not it's not nearly as fun. But that that first like hour and like ten minutes is fucking gold. Yeah, well, for one thing, it kind of breaks its own rules a little bit. And for another, it sets a certain standard for the action, where the action is very big and grand, but still grounded enough that it's kind of believable. And then that final climax just like goes su- like super crazy, like Transformer style. And it just it it's really um, yeah uncomfortable. Like it it doesn't feel like it meshes well with the rest of the movie. It almost feels like it's turned into a totally different. It does. Movie. It, 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 um, but and I think I think part of that is also because um, apparently they had no ending until the very last minute. Well, that's because, that's because the original book, uh, awesome. All You Need Is Kill, which is a Japanese light novel, um, apparently like like the ending on that was like ambiguous or like it's not ambiguous like like it was like up for debate. So like when they're shooting the movie, they're like we don't we don't know if we're gonna go for like this type of ending or for this type of ending. So yeah, cool. <clears throat> well. Yeah, I hear pretty good things uh, for the most part. The only negative I really hear is about that ending, but sounds yeah. sounds like people should check I, it out. I, I really wish more it. people had yeah. seen it because, like, you know, first of all, it was it was not a particularly cheap movie. It was 175 million, and it's just sad to see a movie that, like, you know, it it, it like 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 as you said, we don't get to see many competently made sci-fi action movies anymore, like. A sci-fi action movie that doesn't beat you over the head with just stupidity. Like it's not the it's not like high and mind or anything, but it's got like a cool setup, and it's got. A... It's also the first uh, Tom Cruise movie in like ten fucking years where he actually has. Yeah, an he's arc, not just playing like nice. like uh, a variant of his own character. 
He's not just being Tom Cruise yeah, the in na- an like, action movie. He's, yeah, he's not just being a cipher. He's he's being like an actual character. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't I didn't think about that, but that's cool. Yeah, I might check that out uh, once it comes to yeah. VOD. Uh, Z, would you like to talk about Snowpiercer? Oh shit! Yeah. Whoa. I wish I'd seen this. Okay. Fuck. Um, yeah. I haven't seen it. Right, wait, I'm... wait. I, I haven't seen it yet because it's been very hard for me to get excited for it. I've seen the trailer. It looks fine. Um, so sell me on it. What what is so great about Snowpiercer? Snowpiercer is a very good but also very heavy-handed uh, sci-fi film, and its its message is basically it's about classism, and it's r- really obvious about it. It's takes place in the post-apocalypse. There's this train that's been running around the world. Uh, it's uh, self-propelled, and in uh, every single boxcar from the back to the front is basically a representation of a different stratosphere of class with the back obviously being the lower class and in Snowpiercer they stage a revolt to break out of the the box that's in the way back the caboose and make their way up to the front and basically take over the train and that's that's really all you need to know it's very good the action in it is spectacular the acting in it is really good um Fucking Chris Evans like delivers some of the most heartbreaking lines that I've ever seen in a movie. Like genuinely, I, I say that without any sort of hyperbole. Like some of like stuff that like fucking cut me to the core. It was great. Um, the the message of the film in the first, I would say the first act, like the first third of the movie, is it, it, the entire time I was sitting there, I was like, is this really gonna like? They were really hammering it in there. And I was like, I was worried that it was gonna bother me. Pretty much by the half point, though, it was it was completely aside, and the actual story gets going, and it's uh, really good, very quick paced. Uh, a lot of if uh, a lot of our listeners are gamers, so I'm just gonna say it. A lot of people are comparing it to Bioshock, the video game, which is somewhat accurate. There's like a guy, and he like he is the master of Utopia, and everybody praises him like a god. Um, and that's the guy they're trying to get to and kill. Uh, they're fair comparisons, but I just don't care, so whatever. Um, but it's really good. Its message is muddy, but the story itself is really good. The characters are all very well done, and it's an interesting story. I liked it a lot. I How's just, the acting? The acting is really good. Uh, like I said, particularly from Chris Evans, um, it's American... The all, the creative team is American, French, and Korean. So there are some French and Korean actors in there as Apparently well. Apparently, like 80% um, of the dialogue is in English. The rest of it's like all, you know, various, whatever. Yeah, well, because there's some Korean in there. Um, and I forget the two Korean actors. I've seen them before because they've been in uh, Chen Park Walk movies. Oh, shit. Wasn't one of them in The Host? Yes. Well, Which is yeah, his previous movie, right? Yeah, the director's previous movie was the host, um, and Thank he's you. really good. Oh, I can't. I don't know his the actor's name, but he is really good. Uh, he kind of plays probably my second favorite character, um, and I don't know. Like I don't know what more to say about it uh, without spoiling it, other than that it's really good in spite of the fact that its message is 
very heavy-handed, which I think is what's turning so many people off to it, because it's so obvious. It's like, oh, it's a train car. These are the different classes. Like, you know where they're going with it. But the story has enough substance that despite the fact that the message is heavy-handed, it's still enjoyable to watch. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited to check that one out. I, uh, I hear kind of mixed things, but most of, most, you know, most of the word is positive, so... Yeah. Um, let's talk about Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, would you like me to start? Yeah, go for it. Uh, so Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, it takes place after the first film. The virus has spread, and it is basically a, uh, apocalypse movie. Is that kind of fair to say? Yeah, I would say so. Um, most of society has died, and the what is left is kind of, they're broken into little, um, you know, fractions and subdivisions. We really only get a look at one subdivision, uh, which is headed up by Gary Oldman, and um, then we also continue with Caesar, who they uh, live in the forest, and they have definitely been thriving, uh, especially with no human interference. And basically, there is some tension going on. So soon enough, the humans start going against the uh, apes. First thing I want to say is the special effects, and this isn't really something that I'm, you know, uh, all about saying. Special effects are pretty amazing. Um, the motion really? capture, uh, the motion capture is like awesome. I haven't seen because even if you go back to the first film, uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. It's it's dated a little bit. Like they stick out a little more, but this one, they look pretty great. Um, and otherwise, I don't, f I can't think of um, any real f big faults. You seem to disagree in the special effects area. Do you have any anything to say? I thought the motion capture, the facial capture, particularly, were very good, but I thought that the apes did not mesh with the environment at all. And it didn't, because the movie was so good, it didn't really bother me, but it was kind of jarring, and I think part of that is just budget, because they had to animate a lot of fucking apes. Um, yeah, there's so definitely was, a lot more. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I don't, like, it didn't turn me off to the movie at all, but it was something I noticed. What about the, um, hmm. uh, wait, um, I, I don't guys finished talking before I watched this little diatribe, but I go. Go ahead, go, I'll, I'll come back, one second. Um, and then I thought the movie was just pretty spectacular on a, um, a technical level. There are a lot of great camera shots in there. There's specifically one long take that a lot of people have been talking about. Um, a lot of, I, I like the structure of it. I like the way it begins and the way it ends. It, um, it, it, it fits really neatly and it, uh, makes me excited for the, for the third, uh, episode, but, um, the, I, I, for me, I would say the main problem would be the humans. Um, I think the humans in this specific like reboot have always kind of been a little weak. Um, I liked James Franco in the first movie, but I wouldn't say it was like a great character. It was just fun to watch James Franco. Right. Um, in this one, the human character that I liked the most, I liked Gary Oldman. There was, I think, more depth to him given his amount of screen time, like, I had a feel for his character and kind of what he wanted to do and everything made sense. 
Um, the lead character is played by Jason Clark, who is also in Lawless, which we are talking about later. He was just very kind of typical action kind of guy, very bland. I, he didn't do much for me. It was pretty wooden. Did you? Uh, do you think the same? Yeah, um, the human element was probably the weakest element of the film, in my opinion. Um, it was hard for me. I like the way they dealt with conflicts and things, but as individual characters, it was really hard for me to get invested in the people just because their uh, their motivations were very thin versus, like, we spend a lot of time with, like, Caesar and with Copa and we understand, like, what they've been through. I mean, that is what the film opens with, is it's just, like, 20 minutes of them following the apes. And so that's what we become attached to. And by the time it comes to the human story, it's all very kind of typical and bland. It's not bad, but it's, like, passable. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I, I would say overall, I think it's a better movie than the first film, and it's definitely my favorite blockbuster of the summer at least thus far um like i need to see snowpiercer but otherwise from that i'm pretty sure it's gonna keep that thrown yeah it's probably my favorite as well um i had the only complaints i really had were the cg the human element and also and i wanted to bring this up because i haven't heard anybody talk about this the music was really off to me see that's interesting i saw you talk about that on twitter a lot of people are t already saying some Oscar-type buzz for this, and I thought the music was awesome. Really? Um, Interesting. I don't know. Um, may I mean, I maybe I would need to give it a, a new, another look to uh, pay more attention to the music, but mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it the first time around, so, yeah. It, it, was, it was good music. It just didn't... They used a lot of very simplistic instruments and things, um, which I, I, like I said on Twitter, I think it's because they wanted to go for... Not like a sort of like a tribal thing but not all the way like it's not like heavy drums or anything um but it was all very simplistic sounds i heard some xylophone i heard some harp things like that um it just it and, and it was in like it was during like big parts like you know all the apes coming uh down the hill to confront the humans and stuff and it felt like a weird disconnect between these simplistic sounds and this grand scene but that Maybe they were also just going for something different, and I was just expecting differently. Maybe a second viewing would change my mind, too. Um, hmm. But it was fine. The actual, funny enough, the sound editing was amazing. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. Like, so, I don't know. Maybe another viewing would change my mind, too. Maybe I was just expecting differently. Yeah, and I think that is one that I'm going to be going back to. It, I mean, it was it was good. I was not expecting it to be that good. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. And then I think the last movie we'll be talking about, or I'll be talking about, is uh, Boyhood, uh, Richard Linklater's new movie that he's been shooting for the past 12 years. Um, it stars Patricia Arquette and Ethan Hawke and Eller Coltrane as the main character, the boy who grows up. Um, I don't really want to get into any specific beats here just because it's nothing would really spoil it anyways. I mean, it's all, you know, he grows up, stuff happens. But the things I want to talk about, um, I liked the movie a lot. It's definitely one of the better movies of the year. I will say I was kind of slightly disappointed, and I think that's because I went in with the wrong expectations. Uh, if you see this, and I know it's not playing in a lot of areas yet, so you might want, yeah, you might be seeing it soon 
um, definitely just go in uh, with the expectation that it's a coming-of-age movie because it is just a straight-up coming-of-age movie. Otherwise, from that, there's no special style hook or anything like that. The only thing is it's a coming-of-age movie with the added flair of the fact that it is the same character growing up and it's the same actor, which is really cool. It's, it is fascinating to watch all the same actors age. Obviously, you know, you can talk about the kid because he ages the most, but you definitely see the parents age, and the other cool factor is just that all the side characters age. So it's like, oh, his friend when he was a kid, oh, he sees him later on, well, now he's older. Or, like, someone's fatter. Or, wow, Ethan Hawke got better facial hair. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's really interesting to see it progress, and I think it's uh, one of uh, Richard Linklater's better shot movies. It's, it's pretty but it still does keep that documentary style. Um, it definitely f has the feeling of being a fly on the wall and you're just kind of observing these various situations. Um, otherwise from that, I don't think any of the performances are, are amazing, but I think that's just because the movie isn't really about performances. Even the main uh, character, I mean, yeah, he's acting when he's young and it's really good, but it's not flashy in any way it is kind of just observing all of these situations and watching how he reacts to them um, and how that kind of, you know, changes as he gets older. So it is really interesting, but there is nothing glitzy or flashy about the acting. So I don't think there's anything, you know, too special to say there. Um, and then I guess the just the last things I would want to say are I don't really think it's like Richard Linklater's masterpiece or whatever. I definitely like... I definitely like Before Sunrise more, and I probably like Before Midnight more. Um, but it's one of his best movies, and you should totally check it out. It's really good, um, really cool. Obviously, there's not much else like it, so I, de I do recommend it. So. <clears throat> Side note, I have a friend who has lines in that movie, though I don't really? know who he plays. Cool. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And part of the... They, they do some smart things... Because um, they do mark time with like, oh, Obama's getting elected for the first time now. Oh, second running. Oh, Bush is in the office. And then the other cool thing they do is they kind of mark everything, um, not in a flashy way at all, but it's just the music. As the music progresses, they go to modern stuff. So, um, you know, uh, like the starting song is the Coldplay song Yellow, which is whatever. Um, it's fine. But... Um, and then, you know, as they as it progresses, they get to, like, oh, MGMT or, oh, the Gautier song. Like, it's it's interesting just to see, like, yeah, that's it. Like, they're playing whatever cool they did was big at the time. So that's it's all kind of – it's fun to watch. And for a movie that, that's two hours and 45 minutes, I will say it does fly by. The pacing is excellent, and the editing is also excellent. They – he – I mean, yeah. I have a feeling this is the kind of movie that's going to get nominated for some Oscars, and it will win nothing. So – I don't know. Whatever. It's very good. Check it out. Uh, the next area that we're going is a new segment where I will be picking a DVD that is coming out, or a... It doesn't necessarily have to be a new movie. It could be something that's being re-released or released for the first time, um, such as, you know, from Criterion or Shout Factory or whatever. One of those uh, luxury kind of type companies. Um, for this week, it didn't come out this uh this like exact week that we're recording the podcast but i'm kind of just saying some recent releases 
Uh, you should definitely check out Nymphomaniac, which just came out, Volume 1 and 2. It's $17 right now, and it's four hours of movie. Special features are fine. It's uh, I think it's about 40 minutes, and it's mostly just interviews with um, the main cast. Um, then there's Under the Skin, which you should check out. I haven't seen it yet myself, but a lot of people think it's the best movie of the year. Uh, that is very similar to Nymphomaniac in the fact that the special features are around 40 minutes, except for... Uh, Under the Skin special features, uh, it's a documentary that kind of goes through each beat of like, oh, here's how we cast Scarlett Johansson, or oh, the director, this is what I wanted. So they kind of just go through each little area. Um, so you should watch that. And the only other thing is Criterion is releasing uh, today, on uh, Tuesday, July 22nd, um, they are releasing uh, Insomnia, which is... You might know it because Christopher Nolan later remade it with Al Pacino. It, the, this is the original Swedish version, and it stars uh, Stellan Skarsgård, who is also in Nymphomaniac. Obviously, really good actor. He's also been in, like, Dragon Tattoo or Goodwill Hunting. Um, yeah, I don't honestly know a ton about it. All I know is that it's stacked with special features, and it's apparently way better than the American remake. Apparently they made a lot of weird, questionable decisions when they brought it to America. So that's probably something you might want to check out. Uh, and then I guess we are going to questions. Uh, yeah. Do we have any we questions? Bring up real quick. We do. Uh, shoot. Sorry, I shouldn't prepare for this. <laughs> I'm fucking up. Well, yeah, you read one while Okay, well, I think I have a question. Let me look. Um, did we see apes yet? Yes, we talked about I don't know. apes. We is talked good... about apes. We talked about boyhood. Uh, I don't we talked know. Talked about Star Wars. Um, Ron Taylor is asking about what uh, we think Marvel will announce at SDCC. Does that all fall on me? I can probably comment on that. I mean, I follow the news. I just don't watch the movies. Um, I don't know. I know that uh, no one has seen the uh, after credit scene for Guardians of yeah, the Galaxy actually, yet. So I found that right. interesting, actually, I, with the, that, that comes going about that. No, no, is no. That no. Not is that not what they normally do? No. Yeah, typically it's still in the presser, but uh, for this one, they, they took it out, which I'm assuming is because... Excuse me. Which I'm assuming is because um, Guardians of the Galaxy ties directly into Thanos. Thanos is the big guy that they're like baiting everybody with for Avengers three, so like another two or three years. Um, so they probably didn't want it out there. Although apparently it is out there anyway. Uh, that's just why my fucking Twitter account is locked. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it must be something big tied to Avengers, but is, um, is Guardians of the Galaxy, do we have any Marvel movies after that, um, before uh, no. Avengers 2? No. No. Wow, so they have a whole, like, nine or ten well, months well, gap the like, next movie, that's interesting. I wouldn't be surprised, like, actually, it kind of makes sense for Disney to, like, not try and stick another, like, Marvel movie in 2015, because, like, they spent a lot of money on, on Avengers 2, a lot. <laughs> Well, and also because they anything that they do from here on out will either be a sequel to movies that have already gotten sequels in this phase, or will be something new that won't tie into yeah. the new Avengers anyway. 
which is which is probably why they're banking so hard on having two TV shows. So wait, I okay, I'm kind of shifting question or shifting, you know, I I guess it's we're shi- I'm shifting gears here. Um, is it fine? Yeah. Are we done talking about this? It's it's uh, still. I guess related. I don't know if I answered it, but okay. Oh, answer it. I I my thing is related, but. Okay, well, I mean, uh, going back to Ron's question about what to what we should be expecting, um, I mean, they they have five more dates on the calendar right now that they they announced last week that they'll probably be filling this week with more announcements. Um, but if I had to guess, uh, probably Guardians two, probably Marvel. Uh, that was my phone. Sorry. Whoa. Jesus. <sighs> Sorry for mentioning Captain <laughs> like Marvel. My, my, my phone hates <laughs> yeah, yeah, no character. <laughs> Apparently. Um, oh, I had like two other things. Uh, maybe another Thor, probably. Um, Doctor Strange has already been announced, but doesn't have a date, so probably that. What's that, like four movies so far? Um, and then probably, uh, uh, you know, that one black guy that everybody likes, oh, yeah. Black Panther. Yeah, that one. Apparently there's also like the uh, talk yeah. about like, swapping up uh, Cap for uh, what's his face. Yeah. Anthony Mackie. Yeah, well they're going to do that because Chris Evans like literally know. hates being Captain America now. <laughs> he hates it. Yeah, uh, which which is what sucks about those contracts. If they do it, if they do switch to Anthony Mackie, first of all, do you think there's any chance of that actually happening? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I people do. like the Falcon. Uh, people like. People. And you know. Yeah. Yeah. People like Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie fucking loves being in Marvel movies, and he's cheap, which is what they always yeah. base their leads on, is True. their cheapness. Okay, but so if they do decide to make that transition, do you think there's any possibility of the Thor uh, switching to a woman? Like no, I mean, that like, is that happening in the movies? Yeah, as in, as in Chris um, Hemsworth getting the boot and them taking someone else. I doubt as it. The lady I, I, thought. Would, I would say it's. I would doubt it too. I say it depends on a whether or not Hemsworth wants to re up his contract after the next one, and b whether or not uh, this female Thor. I mean, I, I, think another, I think another thing to, to mention here is like that. Um, you know, with 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 Evan going, you know, like, I mean, it, it's no secret the fact that you know. Uh, Marvel got a lot of, of female fans out of Thor, and so I don't think that they'd be too quick to to, to get him kicked out of the out of, out of the series. So yeah, that's true too. So I guess the only other question I have, which you know, again, it's slightly related, um, Captain America three is releasing on the same day as Batman versus Superman. Is there any way no. that's actually going to end up happening? One of them's gonna move. I, don't think I so. for sure because I don't know which one. I, that's that's a game I'm I, I'm not gonna play. But like for sure, there's no way that like DC and Marvel are gonna say that. Yeah, let's just cannibalize both our audiences here and do it at the same time. It's not gonna it's not gonna happen. I think it is kind of fascinating that they're playing this huge game of chicken, and the situation really is that. I'm pretty sure Captain America will, would make more money than Batman versus Superman, and that's like their second fiddle hero. So Marvel, I think they're kind of standing tall above DC. I feel like if anyone's I mean, going to move, it's going to be DC, especially since they, see, they need, they need that movie to do good too. So It's funny. I think the opposite. Hmm. Um, I think that 
DC has well first off I think DC has much more to lose on an ego standpoint um I think if DC moves, they look like cowards. If Marvel moves, they look smart. I think that's the way most people would interpret that. Right. B, um, I think that DC really does strongly believe in those properties because they are, like, in spite of everything Marvel's accomplished in the last 10 years, those are still the two biggest fucking comic book properties yeah. in the history and, of all yeah, time. And they I, had I success think with that Superman, they, but they've had tons of success with, with Batman, at least as far as movies are concerned. Well, they have tons of success with Batman, and Superman is still huge. I mean, yeah. particularly outside of America. Still, like, one of the most well-recognized logos. I mean, it you know, it, it, the common thing that's been uh, referenced is the study that showed that people recognize Superman as much as they fucking recognize the cross of Jesus. Like, it is huge. And I think DC is honestly willing to bank on that. Um, so I think if anybody moves, it will be Marvel, but I also think there's a possibility that those two just happen to be in the same weekend and just destroy movie theaters for whatever reason. I couldn't, just because there are so many situations where people would only be able to see one, like, oh, a family, like, oh, I have three kids and they want to go see this movie. Like there, like most families just couldn't afford, you know, four movie tickets, uh, twice in the weekend. So eight movie tickets, that's... It just, they are splitting the audience, at least to some degree. I know, and the other thing is, I think people are just so um, devout to Marvel. They love, you know, they don't want to miss that. They want to see the after credits uh, scene and, like, all that stuff. Whereas DC, they're they're just beginning, so it almost feels less essential, especially after Man of Steel, and that kind of got that lukewarm reception. Yeah. I don't know. I just People can't are invested see them in, in the, the Marvel movie movies, thing. and you know, I mean, they, they have the one movie that you know, like a lot of people don't like. Uh, and so, like, if if you have someone says, okay, you can watch a new Captain America movie or a sequel to that Superman movie that you may or may not like that may have Batman in it, but you probably got mad about because Bat because Batflex in it. Who would you pick? You'd probably go with the, with the sure thing because that's just the psychology of it of a moviegoer. Right. Yeah, Maybe. It, it'll be interesting. I wonder what's gonna happen. But I'm also kind of surprised. I'm kind of surprised that Marvel, um, Marvel has never gone full out and banked on uh, a special release date for July the fourth because those movies are in July, and for some reason I find that kind of fascinating because I think I don't remember the exact date, but I think July fourth, July fourth is Monday, the week before the date that it's supposed to come out it seems like if anybody were to move marvel should do that and be kind of smart but they would probably also piss off theaters because it's like a holiday but i don't know because theaters are open on july 4th um, yeah july 4th is usually a big uh, movie weekend america day with the I, america day. I mean it would be smart with captain america so yeah it's perfect. cap america or at, le- at the very least at the very least do it that domestically and then release it internationally the date they already have Right. Yeah. So. Okay. No, I got a whole bunch. Was that it I for questions then? Okay. Oh. Okay. Oh, Jesus. All right, go okay. for it. Okay. Um, okay. I, I don't understand this question. Name your most wanted actor to fictional character match. What does that mean? Oh, okay. Was, I see. They, uh, this is uh, from uh, this at Richard Nake. Okay, Richard Nake. Um, it's... 
he's asking to uh like so whatever fictional character so for example um <clears throat> black panther pick whatever uh, okay, uh, you know, actor you would like to have that position so what's your most desirable like role that you want i know like at least one of the ones that he's gonna say gina carana as as fucking wonder woman <laughs> Oh, see, I knew you were going to think I was going to say that. I was trying to think of something else. I can't say for me personally, but I, I honestly don't think about that shit. Um, <coughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't really think I have any answer to that. I'm not super attached to any specific... Um, like comic license or I'm gonna I'm gonna kill two birds with one stone on this one and say Katie no, Sackhoff or... as Captain Marvel. Because yeah, I know that's we'll one of the questions second. we got. Okay, okay so yeah, um, I'm gonna skip one. that joke that joke question. Uh joke question. Is it ciphers cipher stuff? I don't see anything cipher, but okay, questions. so thoughts on boy will cover that. Okay, <laughs> what will Marvel announce film wise SDCC? We oh, literally sorry, just okay, did uh, that. Sorry, I haven't <laughs> been listening to this podcast. Can we cover that one? Okay, um... Uh, God, we see a bunch of... Wow, you guys aren't very creative with your questions. I'm skipping That's... the cypher, skip the question. Can we just ask the... I just do the soundtrack Okay, fine. Which would be the better good. soundtrack? Drive or only got the good? I go drive. Uh, I mean, it... They're very different. I mean, Only God Forgives doesn't... Because you have to keep in mind, there's a difference between a soundtrack and a score. Only God Forgives is, like, score yeah. all through. Um, whereas Drive, you know, there are actual, like, pop singles on the Drive uh, soundtrack. Uh, and then, like, the latter half of it is uh, bits of score. Um, uh, I guess I end up listening to the Drive uh, soundtrack, but the only guy I agree with that, but like I feel awesome. like the, the Drive soundtrack is like so perfectly married to that movie. So I don't actually love most of the score bits, which is pretty important to me. Um, I, they work really well in the context of the film, but outside, uh, it doesn't do a, a whole lot for me. So I'm actually going to give the uh, ball to uh, Only God Forgives, especially since that centerpiece is fucking <laughs> awesome. Uh, during that fight scene, it's pretty awesome. So uh. I'm See? really conflicted because I think on a technical level, I prefer Only God Forgives. I think that the music in that movie is a bit more, I guess, complicated. It's not as uh, consistent, but I like that about it. Um but I'm going to give it to Drive purely because it's the one that I probably listen to the most and because it did lead me to other bands that I've ended yeah. up liking like a lot. So. Um, Russ's questions yeah. are terrible, so I'm not going to read any of them. Yeah, you guys are literally the worst. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, you yeah. should think of some creative question. Ask us to yeah, make I mean, a like list. I, I'm no. good at lists. <laughs> don't... Do not the only question that we, haven't, that we haven't technically answered <laughs> is best choice for Captain Marvel, but the only person who has an opinion about that is Yuzi, and you already said who you want to do that, so... Yeah, hey, well, who do you want to do Captain Marvel, if you even know who that is? Oh. Okay, that'll work. Ruben Stutters. Jesus Christ. So anyways, uh, I guess we are moving on to our main movie, then. We are doing our <clears throat> main discussion. So basically, just how this works. Every week, for every episode... 
one of us is going to pick a movie and all three of us will watch it and we will then discuss. It could be something new, could be something old. This week I picked Lawless, uh, which I said earlier, 2012, John Hillcote. Um, uh, where should we start on Lawless? Well, I guess we should just run well, it's, through. It's I, your pick, so you should probably open. Right, I'm just going to... Okay, so then briefly... What do each of you okay. think of it? Okay, um, so I think it's I think it's I think it's a very good movie to start off. Um, but it has like a weird like sort of like pacing problem for the first like half hour where like it's kind of like hard to follow what's going on because like not much actually happens. But I still enjoyed it by the time it really kicked into gear, uh, and it's got some really great performances. Uh, I liked it a lot. The thing that I probably liked the least about it was yeah. the script. But literally everything else about it was amazing. So I, uh, I obviously picked it for a reason. Um, I'm a big fan of this movie. Uh, I like John Hillcoat. I like The Road a lot. It's a really good movie. Um, I think Lawless has some of the roads kind of ruthlessness, especially when things get violent and yeah. things get pretty violent. Yeah. Um, I do, I really kind of, I love a lot of aspects of it. First of all, it's shot extremely well. Um, I don't actually know who shot it, but it, it is done really well. Um, and I do really like their use of narration. It's not exactly like a typical narration. It's not, uh, Shia LaBeouf does it. It's not like, oh, every scene he's, you know, talking over it. It's kind of bookmarks. Um, there's one at the beginning, there's one in the middle, and there's one at the end. And I think that was a smart way to do it. It would have definitely been worse if it was just all throughout. But I think it, it definitely worked uh, the way they did it. Did you did you, yeah. you guys like it? Yeah, it was good. I particularly liked the ending narration. Uh, it's the best. That it's really uh, good. Uh, we're gonna get there, but uh, <laughs> and then uh, I want to talk about that. Um, and then as far as performances go, I guess I'm gonna go ahead and say that I think this is Shia LaBeouf's best performance. Obviously, I'm known for being a big Charlie Countryman fan, but as far as actual like performance and nuance and um, you know all the nitty gritty details, I think this is the best one. Um, the accent is a little weird, but that doesn't bother me a whole lot. And actually, after like the first 15 minutes, I totally forget about it. If there's anyone who has the bad accent here, it would be Tom Hardy. He is hiding it under some like grumbles, and that is kind of just Tom Hardy's performance. It's, oh, what do you think about this, Forrest? Getting too high, yeah. girl. Um, if anything, I'm. Well, Tom, Tom Hardy is also not. He is British, yeah. Right, it's definitely more difficult. So, I mean, you know, but I, I do have to kind of call it out on that. I do, I, I'm a little underwhelmed by Tom Hardy's performance. I think it's good. He definitely does what he needs to do. He um, has the presence. But as far as actually saying or doing anything, he's kind of flat. He doesn't have like a, um, you know, a specific kind of thing to his character. Like a except, character attribute, basically. Yeah, except for the fact that... Um, something that is prevalent throughout the movie and basically a big theme is the fact that uh, people think that he is immortal because he has been shot, he has been attacked, he has been whatever, and he lives through every single situation. Um, and so he kind of believes his own legend, which is interesting. And then Jason Clark plays the third and oldest brother who definitely gets the least amount of time. Um, he's barely a character. He's just kind of a drunk. Yeah, I mean, he, it's not about him. 
um, it, it, he is just kind of a drunk who, you know, does various things to help the brothers. But I don't know if it's so much about t either Tom Hardy or um, Jason Clark, or it, it's more about the family and that legend behind them and how uh, Shia LaBeouf's character, Jack, is trying to live up to that legend or kind of, you know appear like he's living up to it you know he tries to seem larger than life even though he might not exactly fit into the same mold that they um they you know tom hardy and uh jason clark definitely have a bigger louder presence um how did you how did you feel about uh jessica chastain and her character and then uh mia wasikowska so, uh, i'll be honest i honestly kind of like didn't really pick up on a real like sort of like any sort of characterization for uh Chastain, but I thought wow, lots of cast had some really good stuff in there. But you know, I was kind of underwhelmed by those two, to be honest. Yeah, I'm in the uh, I'm in the exact same boat. Um, I'm a very very big fan of Mia Wasikowski, um, and I was when once I like saw her on screen, I got really excited. I was like, oh man, great! But her characteristics aren't really tied to her character they're more tied to her environment and that's a big thing that irritates me with movies um i don't like like instead of having like a character like uh he mentions at the very end with the narration you know she's always been a rebel well we never really saw any of that other than it's kind of implied because she's a preacher's daughter and that's like it that's more of an environment thing than a characteristic um so I was I was a little put off by that, and Chastain's character like it was like, I agree with Valti like pretty much just like not fleshed out at all, um, and that's those are two big complaints I have with the movie because I think that they are very important characters they drive some of the plot, and they're not given much characterization they're kind of just given jobs. I will, I will definitely say that they, for, you know, such great actresses, two of the best out there that are working right now, um, the, it is underwhelming, but I do want to defend them uh, to some degree. So as far as Wasikowska goes, I really do love the romance that she has um, with Jack Shia LaBeouf's character. It's a very kind of sweet, um, young romance that's I think it's done well, and especially for a movie that it, it's not about romance. Like, that is a very small piece of the pie. Um, right. So, you know, that's not a focal point. They don't spend a ton of time on it. But I think for what is there, it's done really well, and I always enjoyed watching those bits. And I do, I see what you mean by, oh, she's the preacher's daughter, so that's kind of her defining trait. But I think given the time and the type of person she, you know, comes off as, I mean, she's a young girl who's obvious that in this extreme religious environment, I don't think she would really have an opportunity to leave that shell. It, but towards the end, we, I think, in, specifically in like the last scene, I think you can just kind of see part of that opening up. Um, but, a little you know, bit. Given, I mean, I'm just saying, given the time period and the situation she was in, I don't think that, you know, you would be seeing a whole lot. Um, unless right. they gave a lot more time to the character, which would kind of just distract from the whole point. I But I do see what you're saying. Um, yeah. And then as far as Chastain's character goes, uh, a huge fan of her, but it's just a little... 
half-baked. I do like some of the decisions they make later on, uh, which are kind of spoiler territory, so I can't really talk about them. But I, I do like the way her character kind of interacts with uh, the people, given certain situations. But overall, it's just a little too thin for me. It's um, like, oh, she's from the city, and she's trying to escape from a past. And, like, it's very thin. And, I mean, it isn't about her. And uh, she does have this romance going on with uh, Tom Hardy, which is kind of supposed to be a contrast to the Shia LaBeouf, you know, the young sweet love with the kind of gruff, damaged love. It's it's all right, um, but you know, with with the amount of time that they give it, it's just it's pretty thin. Um, and you know, I I don't think had I like if, if I were to look at that script or anything, I don't think that I would have. <sighs> I can't say that I would have put more time towards that kind of stuff. I think it would have distracted from the main story. It's just a little weird because they are, I think they are very important catalysts for the plot points in the movie. So it's weird that the catalyst, especially because everybody else is so well-developed and even like fucking Dahan's character, like is pretty well-developed. Really well-developed, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, but Dahan is like not a catalyst at all. He's just a character. And meanwhile, you have Chastain and uh, Oskowska, and they're big players in this whole story, but they don't get nearly as much characterization. And I don't know if that's just because of lack of time or a lack of effort. I don't think it's a lack of effort, at the very least. Um... The movie was, you know, it was something that was worked on for a really long time. I know um, Shia LaBeouf, uh, for example, Shia LaBeouf got Tom Hardy that role, I guess. Uh, Shia LaBeouf saw Bronson and liked it a lot, so he wanted Tom Hardy in it. And just various things like that. Uh, you know, uh, John Hillcoat worked on it for a while. And then um, Matt Bondurant, who is the grandson of Jack Bondurant, Shia LaBeouf's character, he wrote the book, which this story is based on. Right. Um, he was also heavily involved. As far as the script goes, it was done by Nick Cave, who a lot of people probably know as a musician, and he also did the music. I do want to talk about the music. The music, I loved it. It is a lot of covers of, uh, like, modern or, like, 70s rock. So, for example, like, one kind of uh, big piece is in it is they do, like, an old twangy kind of southern-style version of uh the velvet underground's white light white heat and it's just done really well it's kind of similar to the whole great gatsby oh new music but in an old way except for they didn't just pick modern songs they picked songs that are you know more modern than the movies you know set in but they totally reworked them and redid them to get them to fit it doesn't stick out like oh great gatsby driving down the road and oh jay-z's blaring like no it's yeah it's it's much more subtle like if you if you didn't know these songs i'm sure you would just think oh okay these are just you know songs in the movie that's actually um, my um my second favorite thing outside of the cast is probably the soundtrack it was yeah, it's pretty good awesome. <laughs> yeah and that's the interesting thing, because Nick Cave, musician, did the music, and then uh, he wrote the script as well. Um, he does a lot of John Hillcoat scripts. I do like the script. I think it has a lot of, you know, good aspects, particularly, you know, I really, really enjoy that. Um, the LaBeouf character, and there are some people we haven't mentioned yet who we'll get to, but... I do think, you know, there might be a few parts that are a little underbaked, but they definitely, 
for me anyways, they don't really lessen the impact of the whole experience, especially once you get to the end and you kind of see how it closes things up. Um, how how did both of you feel I about really Guy Pierce? I really loved Guy Pierce. He was great in this fucking movie. Yeah, well, I like Guy Pierce a lot in general, uh, and oh, that probably great. yeah that that probably uh, flavored a little bit of my opinion. But yeah, I it was, it was a very weird performance, but I I really I really enjoyed it. I honestly, it was a performance that like. If you had explained it to me and told me that that was the character he was playing, I probably would have been like, yeah. But seeing it happen, it kind of made sense. Guy Pierce is just so good at selling like any character. Because, yes, if you explain this on the surface, so the character is, he is like, uh, what is he? He's like a lawman from Chicago. Yeah, right? he's a sleazy lawman. He's a sleazy lawman, yeah. Okay, from Chicago, which, oh, okay, guy yeah. from the other city, and he's like sleazy or whatever. But, Guy Pierce nails it from the way he looks. Like, he has this weird shaved part in his head, and, like, he's just so prim and proper. And the way... And it's it's done very subtly, because I could see a lot of people kind of taking it into um, something similar to, like, Javier Bardem in Skyfall, where he's, like, oh, rubbing on the main character or something. Like, this guy is just very sleazy and very, like, well-kept and uh, just brutally violent. Like, he is insane. Um, but Guy Pierce, he sells it. I, I think he's awesome in the movie. Um, and then outside of him, this is a totally, like, undersold performance. I, it's really weird, because, like, oh, Ch Jessica Chastain's on the cover of the DVD and whatever. But, like, Dane DeHaan is in this movie a lot. Uh, he plays Shia LaBeouf's best friend, who has, uh, what is it? He got rickets, so then he kind of has, like, a, he has, like, walking problems, right? Yeah. Um, he uh, he is really good, especially given that this is pre Chronicle. It's pre, you know, um, he wasn't like a thing yet. He didn't have really. a stupid hair yet. Um, I... Well, yeah, he's just balding. I don't think that's a style decision. <laughs> um, yeah, for his his screen time in this, he really he's good at selling this character, and he even has the Green Goblin teeth, which is good. Oh yeah, that's. Uh... God, I love Dan DeHaan. He's so great. Um, how do you... So I, I guess there's one more actor to kind of hit on. It very, this is going to be briefer than the others, but how do you feel about Gary Oldman? Um, as, as far as my thoughts go, he's really not in the movie that much. He's kind of just an outside comparison to what they're living like. Um, it's two kind of separate sides of the fence um you know he's also he plays a bootlegger a more typical kind of criminal type whereas um obviously the bondurant family they're more like down south type you know like they for example like uh gary oldman and his people refer to them as like oh hillbillies and country boys and yeah. whatever. he's more of a big city type thug and uh, i think he kind of provides some of the inspiration for uh, Jack Shia LaBeouf's character as far as, like, what he wants to be or at least what he thinks he wants to be. But as far as that, you know, anything outside of that, he doesn't really play a huge role in the movie. I thought he was fine. It felt less like a character and more like a cameo, which was yeah. not what I was expecting because his name is there in the opening credits, like Gary Oldman. And I was like, oh, okay. And then he shows up and he has his scene and everything. And I was like, well, yeah. And he's really good in the scene that he's in. I was like, yeah, that was great. And I was expecting more yeah, of him. Yeah, like two and it significant happen. scenes. And it, that it, was it. 
Yeah, and it felt more like a cameo. Like, you know, oh, we got Gary Oldman for, like, you know, a week. Uh, I, to be fair, like, um, there's a similar thing that happens with um, this movie called uh, – shit, it's a movie that, that Ben Affleck directed and starred. Uh, what's it? Uh, he directed that one and starred in it. In the town, the town um, Chris Cooper, uh, who's a really good actor, he's like uh, he's listed as like a star in it. He's in it for a single scene, but he makes a huge impact with that single scene. And I, and I like to think that while Gary Oldman doesn't make nearly as big of an impact, it's still like like it does feel like his presence is felt in the movie. Apart from just it's it's more than just a cameo as far as I felt. I mean, I guess I was I was much more interested in. Um, the brother relationship than I was with uh, Jack trying to become like a like a big sure. city thug essentially. Like I was I was much more invested in the relationships between the brothers than pretty much anything else in the movie. Right, but don't you think that that big city thug aspect totally plays into his brothers? Because it, uh, you know, on one hand, he's trying to become big and large like the brothers, you know, both literally and figuratively. But on the other hand, he's kind of trying trying to become his own style, which is that, you know, city thug. I mean, it is very much so mostly about that family and their relations, but that is kind of just a lurking presence in the background, which I liked. Um, it is. Yeah. I, th I guess my main thing is because you mentioned, you know, what did we think about Gary Oldman? And, like, that character is fine, but if you're going to ask me what I think about the fact that Gary Oldman was casted in it... Um, like it, it felt weird because it's not a very significant character. They could have brought in somebody who was not nearly as expensive, and it would have been fine. Having Gary Oldman in it almost felt weird, like a weird cameo, because he's a big name. You expect him to do more, and he kind of doesn't. It was I don't know. It was just strange. Um, but he's a fine character, and he's important. Again, much like Chastain and uh, and Mia, you know, they bring those characters in. And they're big actresses, and they're really important to the story, but they're not fleshed out very much, so you don't know, or at least I personally didn't know, like, whether I liked them or not, or whether it fit very well. Like, it's fine. It's it's competent. It's not, like, a problem. Um, right. But it, it was a little weird. Um, I guess just to move on a little bit. How do you feel about the action slash violence? Because that is an aspect that I, I, I mean, I knew it had violence, but I didn't kind of realize the level and how they would go about it. I loved it. I thought it was all extremely effective. Same. No, I was really impressed by, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a gore hound, and, and the gore was great. But beyond the gore, I was really impressed with um, every single fight had, a certain impactness to it like people fell shit broke um that that very first fight with uh guy pierce it's not really a fight it's an annihilation with guy pierce oh and Shia god LaBeouf. it's fucking <laughs> awesome and it's great and like every every single hit like it it feels impactful and it's awesome um i love the the violence in the movie i thought it was really effective i thought it because it kind of feels like the whole Moonshiner world feels kind of hokey right up until that fight. And then that communicates like, holy shit, this is a world where people yeah. get fucked up. Do you, um, uh, Trevor, do you uh, have I any just, I, I just thought it was all really well done. Like, uh, 
so I think what really stuck out to me was that final sort of confrontation or whatever. And like, you know, there's a bit where a character gets shot. I'm not going to go into details or whatever. There's a character where, you, where a character gets shot. And like, there's like a very noticeable, like, like, like bullet hole, like in the back, of, in, in the back. It, it's very, it's, it's just kind of interesting. Cause like, even with R-rated movies, these made these days, you typically don't see like this shit so graphic as it is. Right. You know, that's something I love. Just because, obviously, these days we have a lot of PG-13, like, action, you know, or superhero-type movies where there's no blood and it's just all very quick, uh, frequent violence and it's not very brutal. I really do love the use of um, less frequent but extremely effective violence because, at least as far as this movie goes... As soon as the first real violent scene happens, to me anyways, it felt like something that was kind of looming over the rest of the movie. Like, I don't know when the next thing is going to happen, and it's all kind of terrifying. Um, And it just added this tension that I thought was awesome. I loved that factor. Um, This is kind of something that's universally praised, so I guess we should just bring it up. But the period details of the movie are, like, pretty amazing. It's it's all really, really well done. and Mia Wasikowska drink, drinks phosphates. I mean, come on. It's, uh, it was really good. No, it's good. What's funny, and uh, something I forgot to mention at the beginning, we were giving our sort of general opinions. Movies set in this time period, I'm usually not a big fan of. Hmm. Um, just for whatever reason, the period doesn't really interest me. They all seem to be kind of very samey. And they all kind of deal with this exact thing, the prohibition. Like, for whatever reason, that seems to be the only thing anybody pulls out of this particular era in time. Um, but, I don't know, it was, it was so well done. It was really easy to to just look completely past it. Um, and I, I like the sets a lot. I'm a big I have like a set fetish and like the sets were really good they weren't as full as I like sets to be but they were decent um, and I liked pretty much every single outdoor shot it was gorgeous so pretty yeah um, and I do think it's interesting just the fact that so it is based on this true story based on the book that's written by the grandson of the Jack character right. Um so I, I just think that's interesting, just the fact, given the themes of the movie, it is kind of fascinating that it is based on these true characters and uh, these real people. Um, because without that, I think it would definitely play a little differently. And I'm definitely, I'm not a person who's like super into like, oh, wow, it's a true story. To me, it, that doesn't really matter. It doesn't have any appeal. Like, oh, a lot of Oscar movies are like, oh, wow, it's based on a true story. I'm so inspired right now. It, that doesn't really work for me. But I feel like in this case, it's never really flashed too much either. Like, it's it's just kind of something that is there. So then when you think about it and you think of what happens to these characters and you're like, oh, wow, that really happened. That is interesting. Um, it uh, it kind of has an interesting effect in this case. Um, did you, either of you kind of feel something similar? Um... You know, I'm uh, I'm with you when you, you say uh, stories that are based on like movies that are based on true stories, and you it like that doesn't really sell you on it. Um, I'm similar. I'm curious because the way true stories genuinely go, or genuinely generally go, is when you go through different channels, it gets a little bit muddier and muddier each time. 
And while I was watching the movie, I was like thinking, you know, oh, you know, that's, you know, that could have happened, but I wonder if it really happened. But that was pretty much the extent of my experience with the film when seeing it from the perspective of being a true story. Uh, other than that, honestly, I didn't really think about it very much. It didn't change the way I saw the film. It didn't make me any more or less interested in Prohibition or Moonshiners or anything like that. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe I can expand a little bit on as on that as we get into the spoiler area, which I think is where we're going right now. So yeah, uh, I, I guess if, if you uh, have not seen Lawless and you want to uh, see that before you hear the last little bit of our discussion where we talk about some spoilers, um, you should turn it off, there, right? There'll be, there'll uh, be hold on, there. wait, 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 wait. Before... Before we get into spoiler territory, I think we should all like yeah, say totally. whether it's, or not it's we a great movie. It. It's on Netflix. Oh, Go right. fucking watch it. Okay, yeah, no, I agree as well. I recommend it. Go watch it. Yeah, and as far as you know, I picked the movie. I I like this movie a lot. I like all the performances. I love the way it looks. I love the way it sounds. But for me, it was it was something that I was kind of disappointed by when I first watched it. I was sitting there, sitting through it, like, oh, okay, this is cool. They're hitting these different beats. It's fun, whatever. And I only started, I only realized kind of how I felt about it entirely as soon as I saw the last scene. Um, that's definitely my favorite part. But so I totally recommend it. I think it does some really cool things. Um, and, you know, you don't really see a lot of movies like this at this point, so... Uh, especially ones with, you know, this kind of budget and this kind of cast and, you know, great talent. So definitely check it out. It's on Netflix as we speak, so you can see it. So that's good. Okay. Yeah, there'll be time Spoilers? Are you ready? There'll be time good. codes Spoilers. if you want to skip ahead. So, yeah. No, there won't okay. be. This Shut is a spoiler. Up. Okay. So is there anything either of you want to bring up specifically? Because I have at least one idea. I want to, and I'm going to jump into the ending i know you want to talk about that but i just want to briefly say i love the fact that they have a character who believes he's invincible and his doom is himself that's one of my favorite movie things i appreciated it a lot i love it see and that's one of my favorite parts about it so i guess just to kind of throw or you know jump into that ending it is this is something that i say you know like people have heard it probably before the ending is totally reminded me of uh, Days of Heaven, the Terrence Malick movie, specifically with the images that they showed along with the narration. Um, just the fact that it's kind of... I don't think either of you have seen it. I know Trevor hasn't, and you haven't either, Z, right? Days of I'm Heaven. sorry, say that again? You haven't seen Days of Heaven, right? No. Okay, so the ending definitely reminded me of that. But I just love how the movie is, in a way, it's kind of about that legend. The fact that, oh, they, you know, they did all these crazy things. And Forrest, he gets shot. He gets his, he, you know, his, his, uh, throat is cut open. open which like, that, that should kill you. Yeah. yeah. And that actually yeah. happened. Like, this guy lived. And it really plays into that scene with Jessica Chastain, uh, which is a great scene, where... He thinks that he walked all the way to the hospital, but really, she took him to the hospital. Like, he's, it's almost so cloudy that he believes his own legend, which is what uh, Jack, the Shia LaBeouf character, acknowledges later on. He, he says, like, oh, Forrest says 
that nothing could kill us. Uh, he said that we would never die. I know that he, I knew at least he believed it. Um, and I just love the fact that, um, you know, and I love the narration just flat out I, the way it's performed each, the each, the way that each word is kind of said. So for example, he like kind of, uh, expands on die like, Oh, we could never die. Or like he does these things that makes it work really well. And they have these great images of like, Oh, the frozen pond or like, uh, the sun rising and a duck flying over the lake. But the thing is, I love the fact that he goes through all this crazy shit. You know, he gets attacked and shot and, you know, all these various things. And he dies in a way that, yes, it's by his own. I mean, he's drunk and he's, like, dancing around and he falls in the ice. But the way he dies, which is pneumonia, it's not really seen as, like, a masculine thing. Like, oh, you know, getting shot or, oh, your throat slit. Like, it's if he died by that, you would go, oh, yeah, that, you know, whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. But the fact that he died in this way that is so, like, it's not that it's... It's a punk-ass death. What? I mean, I wouldn't say that, but it's just that it it's not what you ex- it would expect for this kind of legend. Um, and I just, there is a specific line that Shia LaBeouf says that I think kind of uh, encapsulates the whole thing. It's, uh, oh, <laughs> what does he say? Oh, he says, he like, after he falls into the lake and, you know, he's walking out and it's freezing cold, uh, he says, like, oh, later he died of pneumonia. It was as simple and indifferent as that. And yeah. the the reason why that line is just so amazing, it's the fact that he wasn't some, like, amazing god that, oh, he's getting shot and he's still living. Wow, he's so special. It's like, nope, he didn't get any special treatment. It's just, oh, okay, he lived this time. He lived this time, and, oh, this time happened to be the one that he died from. It's, it's just done so incredibly well. Um, I love the way just it's done, personally. That ending those... for me sealed the deal. Are those? I'm curious because I can see this being a thing. Are those lines lifted from the book? I think they. I think some of them are. Okay. And actually, that would make sense. I. What is kind of cool, slightly unrelated, but the Blu-ray which I got, I got it the day before it came on Netflix. What the fuck? Um, the Blu-ray actually came with a copy of the book, which I'm like, huh, okay. Uh, Oh wow! Like a physical (laughs) copy. Well, it came with a CD that has a like an audio book and a digital file that you can read. Oh, okay. so you, well, that's, you have, that's still good. You have either option, though. I thought that was cool, too. Either audio book or like an actual digital copy. Wow, uh, that's awesome. <clears throat> yeah, and the special features are pretty decent. So, um, But anyways, uh, I'm pretty sure that the each narration, uh, so the beginning, middle, and end, I think they're all lifted from the book. Because uh, specifically in the beginning, he says that, oh, uh, what is it, Franklin County, it's known as the wettest county in the world, and that's the title of the book. Um, I'm pretty sure all of those uh, spoken word parts by Shia LaBeouf are directly from the book. Okay. Um, And so what I was referencing earlier with Mia Wasikowska, I feel like once she is away from that family, he says that line that you brought up where it's like, oh, she did have that rebel streak in her. Yes, they don't really show anything uh, exactly. Like, they don't show her doing anything crazy. Like, oh, she's smoking cigarettes or something. But you do see her kind of drift away from her family and at least go towards this Shia LaBeouf character. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I mean, you can definitely see more. She seems like she's kind of opening up. And no, you don't really see a whole lot of it. But it makes sense. Like, I feel like there is a slight progression there that makes sense. 
Um, and I do like the detail, and it's a really brief detail. I love the detail that they uh, say that uh, Forrest never said that they were married. Like, they didn't find out until years later. Like, after he got shot and whatever, he's out of the hospital. He got married to that Jessica Chastain character, and they didn't find out until years later. And he was like, and he says something like, it's, it, it seems like something Forrest would do. And it's it's just, you know, that line didn't have to be in there. It didn't expand on anything. But it's just a little detail that does make sense to me. Um, well, I mean, I, I, cool. I, I, I kind of credit that with it. Maybe not the Whoever, like, if, if maybe it's Kill Code and that's the screenwriter. But whoever was, you know, that's a nice, you know, attention to detail there. Yeah. And, th- and then even, like I said, the images, they are very reminiscent of something like uh, Days of Heaven. Um which, you know, Terrence Malick is a guy that a lot of people kind of rip off, like that, oh, floaty poetry of, like, some kind of images. Um, and it's very easy to kind of rip off something like that. Whereas this movie, it uses similar stuff, the images and the narration, but it definitely has its own spin. It doesn't feel, it. you know, it reminded me of it, but it never came off as some kind of ripoff. I had to think about it for a second before it jumped out at me. Um, and then otherwise from that, I... Uh, I guess that's it for the ending for me. Do either of you have anything to say about it? Uh, no. No. Does it sound like it? Okay. Do we want to talk about any of the specific, like, violence, like the Tom Hardy slashing, or possibly uh, the rape? I felt like the guy was handled in a weird but not terrible way. It was fun. Yeah, I the only part that I thought was interesting was just it's included in that like kind of uh, big scene towards the end of Jessica Chastain and Tom Hardy where they're talking and um, and she refuses to tell him that she was raped. Um, I just thought that, that was kind of an interesting thing for her character to do because oh he's already heading down there he's already gonna do this you know final shootout he's gonna you know fight with Jack, but. And she just refuses to tell him. It's like something that, I don't know. I, th- I just thought that was a really interesting aspect. Like it would have been very easy for that scene for her to break down and start talking about it. Or like for her to start breaking down and, you know, then it cuts to him like, oh, charging down, driving in the car and you he's angry. Um, I, I just thought it was interesting that she yeah. didn't do that. Um, and and speaking- I wonder if that has to do less with um, trying to provide narrative and more so with the fact that Could that's be. what actually happened that's totally possible and in fact that is probably what happened but either way how it happened to work out is really interesting to me yeah uh, and then i guess since we it is literally leading there uh that final shootout was done really well it felt very heavy it didn't feel like a floaty shootout where oh there's tons of bullets or whatever like there weren't like that many people shooting but like every little bit uh, like it almost you could feel it it was very tense and just done really well and I love the fact that you know Shia LaBeouf like charges into it and he has a reason to be upset like oh Dane DeHaan died um, but and then he gets shot right away and it's not because oh wow what a weak person it's like no you're fucking running against all these people you're going to get shot um, I don't know I, just, I, lo- I do love the way that final scene or that shootout scene was uh, done do either yeah. of you have any thoughts on that? Um, n- not much other than the fact that I love yeah, it. I, yeah. I think you pretty much, you've explained The way that, that, that whole shootout went down was very interesting. It was like, um, 
it was like it, the, the dynamic was the constant shit. Well, first of all, because no, no one could shoot, which I think kind of makes sense because a lot of them were just, were just hicks or handed a badge or whatever. But like, I like there's that bit where like the cops even turn on on uh, what's what's his fucking name, Ricks. Uh, oh, on uh, Charlie. Wait, Charlie Rice. Ricks. Ricks. Uh, they, they, they basically uh, turn on him. So yeah, fucking go, go kill him. They don't care anymore. Well, because the interesting thing about that too, it's not really so much that they turned on him. Like, oh, he, that guy didn't shoot him in the head. He shot him in the leg. Because even though he is their leader in a way, it is. It still has that wild west aspect of like, oh, if you're gonna do something crazy, then it's like we're gonna stop you. They're not gonna kill you, but you got shot in the leg. And he just kind of stumbles off, and he's like, "Ah, you chicken shit sons of bitches!" Uh, it's like <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> that was the best impression I've ever heard. Yeah, it's good. He yells at them. You know what? You sounded a little bit like Willem Dafoe, and I wish he was in this movie. He would have been good in it too, but maybe we can do Out of the Furnace later or something. <laughs> yes. Uh, um. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have anything else to bring up. I guess. I, the only I, uh, other thing I would want to say is just I do love that scene when Tom Hardy gets his uh, wrist or his uh, throat cut because it's so fucking terrifying. He's like working on that car and they pull his arms and then just slash it and then he's holding yeah. it shut. Like that detail, the fact that he's like holding it shut and then it starts to snow and then there's that great shot of Jessica Chastain like in the mirror and you see out the windshield and it's snowing. Like it's just done so well. And I love the fact that, oh, she comes back and she walks by and she's yelling his name or whatever, but it's not like he can yell back, so he's just kind of laying there. It's it's terrifying, and it's done extremely well. So, yeah. yeah uh, I don't know if I have... I feel like I probably have more to add. Um, for, for our listeners, this was... I just saw it, like, a couple of hours ago, and so it'll have to just stay with me a little bit more. It's probably a habit I shouldn't have watching the movies <laughs> the day of the podcast. Um, because I feel like there's more I want to talk about, but I'm, I don't know how to express it yet. But um, I do want to say that I think this was the best casted film I've seen in a long time. Yeah, uh, apart from a... It's, it's all really... They're all fucking, in my head at least, not in Hollywood's terms, but in my head all fucking A-listers, and they all have the perfect roles. Mia's great. as like she She's a great person to play, like an innocent preacher's daughter. Uh, fucking Shia LaBeouf is great to play, like a kid with all these ambitions who doesn't know how the fuck he's going to actually get them done, but he will get them done. Um, Dahan is great as just playing, like, the... Oh, Dahan. Yeah, he goes fucking full to Han. He plays, like, the strange character, for better or worse. Um, and uh, fucking Tom Hardy. Like, even though he's probably the, the worst of them, he's not bad. Isn't that weird, though? Like, I was expecting him to maybe be the best. Like, it's it, like he it, it doesn't really distract from the movie for me, but, like, Tom Hardy, huh? Like, he is just kind of that throaty-type guy. It's it, That was a little disappointing, but, yeah. He is the weakest aspect, probably, as far as actors go. I mean... Probably, yeah. Especially given his, like, billing. I mean, that's ignoring, like, oh, Jason Clark. But, I mean, it's not really about Jason Clark. Except for oh, it, is it is fucking cool when he starts howling like a wolf when they show up at their distillery or whatever. Oh, Dude, that was fucking good. 
How fucking great was it when fucking Shia LaBeouf cries good, after yeah. the Han dies? Oh, that like, was fucked. See, that's what I was doing earlier, rubbing the back of my head and, like, rubbing the hair. It's great. <laughs> He's, like, that scene was, like, like, I don't know, because, you know, I mean, Vlad, I'm sure that you agree with me on this, but, like, fucking LaBeouf, like, he doesn't get enough, he doesn't get enough credit for his acting ability sometimes. Um, most of the time he's, like, fine. He, like, skims out every once in a while. Most of the time he's, like, great. And I didn't, ex- like, if you had told me, oh, yeah, Shia LaBeouf, he cries in this movie, and, like, it- it'll be a big thing. If you had told me that, I'd be like, uh, whatever. But, like, watching it, it's fucking heartbreaking. And it's done like, so fucking well. It's not like, oh, him standing there and the one tear falls down. It's like at first, you know, like it's just played really fucking well. And it's a great mixture of him being sad and confused and fucking furious. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. It was, oh, it was that, that one part really sticks out to me. It's just being like really fucking fantastic because I was fucking sad too. Like, you know, out of all these actors in this movie, Dandy Han's probably my favorite one. Um, and his fucking character dies, and I was like, God damn it, fucking shit. And then, like, Shia LaBeouf just breaks out, and he, it's all out bawling. Like, it's not just like, <laughs> like, he is insane with sadness. And yeah. it's, it's fantastic. That was a really good scene. I love uh, it. I'm just realizing little things that we should talk about that, like, that little testicle part, or, uh. Oh, the testicles, that's great, yeah. That was fucking good. Or, Obviously, we talked about it in the non or in the non spoilery part uh, when Shia LaBeouf gets fucking beat by Guy Pierce. Like that scene is insanely brutal, and it's done so well. Like when he's yeah. just down on the ground, covered in his own drool and blood, and he has like straw stuck on his face, and he's just like, "Please stop" or whatever, and he just keeps fucking hitting oh, yeah. him. Yeah, dude. Oh. And, the, and then there's the great bit where he like reaches out and he's got blood on his hands and it hits his pants. And he's like, "Just get the fuck away!" And he kicks yeah. his really face. Like, oh. Yeah, okay, so how fucking great was it? Because the fact that they had the protagonist of our film at the very beginning, in the first real fight that we've seen, and it's not even a fight, it's a fucking annihilation by the antagonist, and he just beats the shit out of him, and we see our protagonist literally begging for him to stop. He just keeps going, stop, 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 like, over and over and over. And And I was just like, holy shit. He gets hit in the mouth with a shotgun. Like, oh. It's, oh, that was a good scene. Yeah. So good. See, like, right here, there are so many things to talk about. You need to, like, watch this movie. We all recommend it. Some of us more than others, but you should watch it. It is totally worth it. It is good. I did all right, whatever. I do want to skip back just a little bit uh, when you guys were talking about Lobos acting. Cause I didn't get a chance to really get in more to edgewise. But um, as I was watching this, I kind of realized, like, um, first of all, I, I do think he does not get enough credit. Like, you know, he's done some bad movies, but everyone has. Uh, but I do think that he does, like, this sort of, like, scared sort of, like, puppy eye look. It specifically came out in that first scene, like, just before he started getting the shit kicked out of him and he has the gun in his face. He does that so well. It's like... Yeah. It's it's perfect. Like I honestly actually didn't even see him as like a twenty four year old or however however old he was supposed to be. I was seeing him as like fucking even Steven from Even Stevens. Also because he's a fucking ladies man when he's talking to her and she's yeah. in the car drinking the good drink. Yeah, the phosphate. It's so good. Yeah. Um, 
So, I, and I guess since you just brought it up, um, yeah, I mean, it's so do you, I'm out of curiosity, do both of you agree that it's his best performance? No, or I wouldn't say that. Um, if anything else, I, personally, I think Nymphomaniac is also a contender. That's also a really good performance. But, um, yeah, see, I don't, I don't want to get into that too much, but, uh, yeah, I'm not getting into that. Nymphomaniac, he's really good in Nymphomaniac, but the way that that plays out, I can't really talk about it in detail on here. Uh, what were you going to say, Z? I was going to say, um, I I think it's his best performance that I've seen, but I have also not seen very many of his performances in general. So, I mean, it's, it's the best that I've seen, but I haven't seen Nymphomaniac yet. I'm waiting to fucking buy it. Um... And I haven't... Oh, I've seen uh, Charlie Countryman, obviously. And that's good. Like, his performance in that is... It's perfect He for sells him. it. If he wasn't in it, it would not be a good movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, he fucking sells it because of his personality. Um, but as far as stepping out of his personality and his range and acting... Yeah, actually, just actually, probably I, the best I, I, actually, I think it's probably my favorite of what he's done. Yeah. I which see, is uh, which is not like like he's amazing when he wants to be like he knows when he's acting and when he's getting a paycheck and that's the interesting thing because it is weird because people have said like oh on twitter like why shia labeouf or like i don't get yeah, it is I, this I a still joke? don't get the little <laughs> giving thing i really don't okay i, I guess the, i'll, I'll briefly top, explain it's the top holiday of the year yeah, first of all, I can't wait for LaBeouf's giving, too. That's going to be exciting. We'll have to talk about that later. That, that's for another time. But it was just that Charlie Countryman was coming out last year, November, which is obviously the same month as, month as Thanksgiving. So I made one joke, and I carried it on, and I watched a bunch of Shia LaBeouf movies. And I realized, like, he is very underrated for what he is. Now, yes, he did a lot of, like, studio fare early on. Um, like Transformers or whatever, which, by the way, I want to say, if you want me to be in Transformers, I'll do it. Michael Bay, call me, please. Um, (laughs) I'll sell out immediately. I don't even care. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But there was, like, that pivotal moment where, uh, I don't know if either of you heard about this, but, like, in the press, he was like, yeah, I hate blockbusters. It's, It's like the studio putting a finger in your ass and controlling you like a puppet. He's like, I'm done doing them. I'm doing, like, movies I like. I'm I have enough money. I'm fine. So, and then since then, he's done uh, The Company You Keep, which is with Robert Redford. I like that a lot. He did Charlie Countryman. Uh, he did Lawless. And he did uh, Nymphomaniac, which is obviously, you know, kind of the furthest out. And he's also Furious coming up. Also, speaking of, releasing in November. LaBeouf's Le- Le- giving, too. Come on. Um, <laughs> yeah, he is underrated. People, He's one of those people that everyone loves to kind of pick on. Like, oh, like I remember when I was linking the Charlie Countryman trailer. Like, oh, yeah, I love, I want to see him get beat up. It's like, ah. Uh, and I, you know, pet peeve of mine is I do hate when people talk about someone as, um, like, the like their big role. So for Shia LaBeouf, or not even their big role, but a lot of people are like, oh, even Stevens. Or, like, when the dad from Fresh Prince died, everyone was like, oh, no, dad from Fresh Prince. It's like, fuck off. I hate that. Because, you know, they have an existence outside of this they role. They have a name and, like, a life. Yeah, it's like, oh, they dad. Oh, what is Fucking Phil or something? Everyone was like, oh, Phil, Fresh Prince dad. I'm so sad. It's like, ah, oh, it's the worst. Anyways, we're not even talking about Lawless anymore. Uh, I think that's about it. Does anyone else have any thoughts on Lawless? Any final words? Anything no. you didn't get to say before? Um, yeah, 
I don't think I have a lot to say. I like I like Mia. Oh, she's great. That's it. And then I guess the only thing is, um, so we are going to be picking a new movie to talk about each week or each other week or whatever, however we're going to do the podcast. But I guess you might as well just message us on Twitter or at on podcast. Is there any movie you'd like to see us talk about? That could be interesting. Maybe we'll pick one of those. Um, yes. Send, send us your questions. Um, you can find us on Twitter, uh, at Zilliac, uh, at Vladzow, and Not just at that, also. Squirrel. That's X, X-Z-Y-L-I-A-C. Yeah. And spread the word. Just, Fucking just, com- review just, us on iTunes and, like, retweet or yeah. something. I don't know. Spread the word. We have, like, four people. Come we'll on. send you a burrito, maybe. Yeah, did you just see me talk about Days of Heaven? Also, this is hard work here. Z, you have another <laughs> podcast to do. Yeah, but it's... Uh, oh, it's well, now I just made a fool of myself. Well, then Z does not do Fine. another podcast, and we are done. I, I uh, if you if you really care to know, I'm uh, currently in the process of getting a comic book podcast off the ground, but it's not worth naming names yet. So don't okay. just keep listening. It's and uh, I'll mention it's it uh, Alan Moore. He's on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fuck you, I also I write stuff for um, Battle Screen. You should re- you should go there. It's BattleScreen.net. Yeah. I read stuff on Twitter. You are probably a big fan. You're my biggest fan if you're listening to that. Uh, <laughs> so, but before, before we go, uh, I, I, I do want to say, uh, just just want to get it. I, I don't know why I'm saying things weird. The next, no, no, is this, this, this is next week's movie, so that the, fi- the listeners can can watch it oh, okay. ahead of time. Uh, so this week it's my pick. Uh, this movie is it's called Detention. It was directed by Jeff Kahn. Came out the same day as uh, Cabin in the Woods. I can't remember when. Uh, it's uh, I think that's April. I, that would be March like that, yeah. 2012. Oh so uh, yeah, it's it's on Netflix. So don't looking there, but you know you can probably find it for cheap or you know find it other ways. Uh, it's a really cool movie. It's the the basic way to describe it. It's like this. It's like what if like all the characters in this high school movie were like living out different high school movie, like cliches. So like one is like a Ferris Bueller type. One is like a character from like scream or whatever. And they all like live in this sort of weird, like fast frenetic, you know, like almost weird. Like it's just a really weird universe and I really enjoyed it. And uh, that's what we're watching next week. So, yeah. So, and then just finally, uh, do comment on the format here. Do you like this? Should we keep doing it like this? Is this terrible and we should can the podcast Assuming forever? Assuming you actually listened to the end and didn't yeah, stop. Yeah, if, by the way, that's insane. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, I think that's it. So, goodbye. Uh, goodbye. Don't die. We need you. Keep up the good work, Nick. <laughs> He's not going to be listening. <laughs>